Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. On April 2nd, 2004, 14-year-old Gina De Jesus was walking home from JSS. Around 3 p.m., she stopped briefly to speak with her friend Arlene. They chatted for a moment and then parted. Arlene assumed that Gina went home, but Gina never reached home. In fact, Gina simply disappeared from the street. What happened to Gina De Jesus? Did she run away? Was she kidnapped? Or even worse, was she dead? Her family searched frantically for her, but there was no one who saw what happened to Gina. Simply put, there were no witnesses. They went to tell the police that Gina was missing, but since there were no witnesses, the police didn't have much evidence to go on, and so they didn't make much effort. Without a witness, no one saw Gina de Jesus, and no one knew where to look. Without a witness, the police would not make much effort. Without a witness, there was no hope of finding her. We didn't know if she was dead or alive. Without a witness, people soon forgot about Gina de Jesus. But Gina de Jesus had not run away, and she wasn't dead. In fact, she'd been kidnapped from off of the street. A man named Ariel Castro had captured her and taken her to his house right in that very neighborhood. And for nine years, Ariel Castro held Gina de Jesus as a slave inside his house. He chained her to the room. She couldn't go outside. She never left the room. She was made to do the unthinkable. All because there was no witness. When no one knew what had happened to Gina de Jesus, no one could help her. Had a witness seen Ariel Castro take her, they could have reported to the police and the police would have searched his house. Had they seen Gina get into a car and drive away, they would have known she was still alive and they would have made more effort. But without a witness, Gina had no hope. Without a witness, she remained locked up for nine years. Gina eventually escaped in 2013 when one day Ariel Castro accidentally forgot to lock the door and she managed to, to run away. But Gina had to endure nine years of torture all because there was no witness. The tragic story of Gina de Jesus shows us today the power of a witness. Gina lost nine years of her life because there was no witness, but today there are millions of people who are losing far more than just nine years of their life. All around the world, there are millions of people who are losing eternal life because of the lack of a witness. You see, Jesus Christ died for every man. The Bible says he shed his blood so that everyone could be forgiven. God loves every man, every boy, every girl, everyone, black or white, rich or poor, in every nation around the world. He died for them, and his plan is to rescue them and deliver them. But because there is no witness to millions of people, they cannot be saved. Millions of souls remain locked up, held captive by the devil. Millions of souls are in darkness and in death today simply because there is no witness. And the greatest tragedy is not that just men and women are lost without a witness. The greater tragedy is that God made a provision for every man and every woman and every child and everyone around the world to receive a witness. He made a provision for all of us to know the gospel, he sent his people to go. 
But like Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And today, millions of people cannot be saved because there is no witness. And yet God has called us, his people, to be filled with the power of his Holy Spirit and to go and cover the earth to preach the gospel. If we will do that, we can help deliver the captives. That's the powerful message in our sermon today titled Power for a Purpose. We're going to discover on this great Sunday why the Holy Spirit came and what he expects us to do about it. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you are the great and mighty God who sends down the power of your Holy Spirit. You've done it throughout history, touching the hearts of lives and men and transforming them. You've touched lives all over the world and you've touched ours. But today, I pray for a new Pentecost. I pray for a new baptism. I pray for a new outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Come again and fill us, Lord, and help us to understand the purpose of the power you send to us. Raise us up to be your witnesses throughout the world. Father, we submit to you now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to fill us, the power to change us, the power to send us. We thank you and we praise you now by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now. Just put your hand on your chest and pray after me and say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, good morning once again. Welcome to Agape House New Testament Church. If you're joining us online, a big welcome to you as well. It's great to have you in the house of the Lord today. I believe you are not here by accident, but God has brought every single one of us together for a purpose. And God has a purpose in blessing you. God has a purpose in releasing his power into your life. And on this special Pentecost Sunday, we're going to believe God that he's going to come and move in our midst and do something extraordinary and something supernatural. If you believe it, say amen. See, I'm confident that God wants to move in every life today for two reasons. Number one, because he really loves you. You are special in his sight. You are destined for the throne. You are called and created by God for him to fill you and for him to love you and use you. And the good news is God's got all the power you need. There's no problem you're facing, no situation coming against you that God cannot deliver you from this morning. If you believe it, say Amen. But not only that, I believe God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. God wants to touch you and change you and move in your life so that he can turn you around and send you out as a witness to other people. Now, to help us learn the truth for today about Pentecost, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. And I invite you to take out your notes now and follow along with me as we discover three callings for every believer at Pentecost. There at the top of your notes is our scripture text for today. It's taken from the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. These are the words of Jesus as he prepared to ascend into heaven. The words are on your notes. They're on the screen, but I want us to read it out loud together in honor of Pentecost. Read it with power. Read it like faith. Read it like you mean it. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Go. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, power. Think for me, with me for a moment about these words, what exactly Jesus is saying. First of all, we receive an amazing and a tremendous promise in these words. Jesus said, something is going to happen to you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's good news, but it's not just a promise of power. He goes on to tell us the purpose of that power. He says, I'm going to send you power for a couple of different reasons. So let's break it down and dig deeper into God's word today and discover those purposes and the call they represent on every one of us. And here's your first call today. You are called to possess God's power. Lift your hand and say after me, I am called to possess God's power. See, our scripture text begins with these words. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is not if. This is not maybe. This is not sometime down the road. Jesus is making a specific promise. He's guaranteeing it. He's telling you with confidence. There's a sureness and a certainty here. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And every child of God is destined to have the Holy Spirit in him. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get power. This is the promise of God. In Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, a few verses earlier, listen to what the Bible says. Once when he, that's Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say with the Holy Spirit. So God's promise for you today is the person of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we need to understand. God sends us the person of the Holy Spirit, and whenever you get the Holy Spirit, you get the power and the gifts and the tongues that come along with it. But the gift is not the power. The gift is the Holy Spirit. The power comes automatically when the Spirit is present. So we don't seek the power. We don't seek the tongues. We don't seek the miracles of prophecy. We don't seek the shaking and the woo-woo. We seek the power of the Holy Spirit and his presence in our life. If you believe it, say amen. Let me make it clear. I'm not against tongues. I speak in tongues. I'm not against power. I'm not against miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm not against prophecy. If you have a good prophecy from God for me, bring it on. I would love to hear it. But our focus is not on the miraculous. Our focus is on the person of the Holy Spirit because everywhere the Holy Spirit comes, the miraculous follows. We don't chase the gifts. The gifts follow those who believe. Let's not get our eyes focused on the gifts. Let's focus on the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's the power that hovered over the waters at creation. He's the power that came into the disciples at the upper room on the day of Pentecost. He's the power who's touching your spirit and making you born again. He is God's gift to us, the third person of the Trinity. We're not filled with a feeling. We're not filled with an emotion. We're not filled with a set of ideas. We're filled with the person of the Holy Ghost. The problem is today the church has gotten its eyes on the manifestations rather than the maker. We've gotten our eyes on the outward external rather than the inward power. You can go to some churches today and in the name of the Holy Ghost you see some very strange things. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. 
You see some things that people say are the Holy Ghost. And you see a lady spinning and shouting, spinning and shouting, and she nakeds herself in the front. Let me tell you, friend, that's not the Holy Ghost. You can see some churches where in the name of the Holy Ghost, they'll tell you to drink anointing oil or spray yourself with mosquito spray. That's not the Holy Ghost. You can even go to some churches here in Accra where they will prophesy over you. If you bring a big enough gift, you'll meet a white lady online and she'll give you millions of dollars. Hey! Reminds me of the time when a trotro mate went to church. He was invited to a church in Accra. He didn't, wasn't born again, didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost. But when he got there, everybody was speaking in tongues. He didn't want to be left out. He didn't know how to speak in tongues. So he did this. He's, Kineshiodorkor, 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 Kineshiodorkor. I'm not promoting an experience. I'm promoting the person of the Holy Ghost. I'm not promoting a manifestation. I'm promoting God himself. And when you understand the source of the Holy Spirit, you won't be afraid. You won't look elsewhere, but you'll go to God himself. Because see, Acts 1-4 says the Father sends you the gift. Everybody say the Father. The Father sends you the gift he promised. What is it? You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes to us from God the Father. But not only that, Jesus gets involved. Listen to Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. Who sends the Holy Spirit? Jesus, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So here's the picture we get. God the Father says, I want to give the Holy Spirit to my children. And Jesus says, I'm in on it too. You've got double-double. You've got the power of the Father and the power of the Son, and they align together and they agree together to give you the Holy Spirit. That's why I can declare to you today, every child of God, every follower of God, everybody who's born again must receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It is your destiny. It is your inheritance. It is your right. If you're following Jesus, you will get the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise for every son and every daughter. If you believe it, shout power. And understand what else is happening here. Because the Bible tells us when God the Father and God the Son get together, it's a double inheritance, a double promise, a double assurance. You've got the Father and the Son together. That's double-double. Somebody say double-double. Reminds me when I was a child. I had two parents, a dad and a mom, as all of us did, and you know, I learned very quickly in life which one to ask if I wanted something. My dad was very generous. My dad was very jovial. And because he traveled a lot for work, he was gone a lot. Oftentimes, anything I asked him, my daddy would do for me. My mother was the opposite. She's a great godly woman, but she was very cautious and very disciplined with the money and everything. So I knew who to ask. Amen? If I wanted a biscuit or I wanted ice cream or I wanted a new shirt, we didn't have iPhones those days. That's a long time ago. But if I wanted something, new sneakers, I would go and ask my dad. If I asked my mom, she'd say, well, I don't think so. We don't have the money. But if I went my, to my dad, he would often say, yeah, we can do that. Amen. I don't know about you what kind of dad or mom you had, but that's how, how it was in my house. But then there were times when my dad would say yes, and my mom would hear about it. And she said, uh-uh. And my dad was the boss of the home, but, you know, sometimes he didn't want to offend my mom for obvious reasons. And so when my dad said yes, the mom said no, then dad would go, oh, I'm sorry, Richard. The answer is no, daddy. But there were times when I asked for something, and my dad said yes, and my mom said yes. It was double, double, oh, hey. 
If daddy said yes and mommy said yes, it was irreversible. It was unmovable. It was unmistakable. It was set in concrete. When I had both the powers in my life agree together, I knew I could guarantee I would get what I wanted. And that's what the Bible is telling us. God the Father and God the Son have agreed together to give you the Holy Spirit. There's no way you can follow God and miss out on this gift because it's double-double. They've agreed together and said God is giving us the Holy Spirit and Jesus says, yes, I'm in on it, and it's coming to you from the throne of heaven. And when you follow Jesus, you will get this power. You will get this Holy Spirit. For the fact is it was Jesus himself who was first in the queue to receive the Holy Ghost. Jesus himself is the first one who got baptized in the Holy Spirit. For Acts 2.33 says, now he, that is Jesus, is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see in here today. So here's what happened. God the Father gave Jesus the Holy Ghost and said, take it for yourself and give it to your children. But not only that, the good news is the Holy Spirit that Jesus has, has come without limit. For John 3, the Bible says, he, that is Jesus, is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the Spirit without limit. Someone say without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. So here's the picture the Bible creates. You add Acts chapter 2 with John chapter 3, and this is what happened. Jesus died and rose again. Then he ascended to heaven. And when he ascended to heaven, he sat down on the throne at the right hand of God. Then God took the anointing, and God took the oil, and God took the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit and began to pour out upon Jesus. It went down his head. It went down his shoulders and then the Holy Ghost began to be poured out until it filled Jesus and consumed Jesus. But it wasn't poured for a day. It wasn't poured for a week. It wasn't poured for a month. It is poured on Jesus without limit and the Holy Spirit is still being poured out upon Jesus. That's why it overflowed from Christ and it went into the upper room and filled the disciples. And that's why the Holy Ghost is still being poured out upon the body of Christ today. It's still being released upon us today because Jesus has the Holy Spirit without limit. Somebody shout, without limit. And John says God has given the Christ, the Holy Spirit without limit for him to pour out upon all of us. That's why Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and said in Acts 2, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. That's us, all who've been called by the Lord our God. And I declare to you today, if you're a born again child of God, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. If you're following Jesus Christ, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. If you're called by God into the kingdom of God, the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. So lift your hand and say, I am a person of power. I am a person of the Holy Spirit. I am destined for power. I am ordained for power. It must come to me. Power is my portion. If you believe it, shout power. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 14, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but what has he given us? A spirit of power. 
Love and self-discipline. For the power of the Holy Spirit lives within us. Turn your notes over to page two and consider what is happening here. There's a promise of power to each and every one of us here today. It will come. It will happen. The power comes when the Holy Spirit comes. And that enables us to do the second step. The second purpose of power is this. You are called to be God's witness. Lift your hand and say, I am called to be God's witness. See, Jesus links his power with his purpose. And anytime you align with the purpose, you get the power. First, he says, you will, you will, you will receive the Holy Spirit and it comes with power. Then he says this, and you will be my witnesses. The natural result of the power of God is to begin to witness. But understand the order of God in this passage. First, he says, you will be my witnesses. Then he says, you will go everywhere telling people about me. So something has to happen to us before we go and proclaim the good news. Something occurs within us. We become witnesses before we go out to proclaim. God calls us to be witnesses before he calls us to tell people about him. And here's what that means for us today. The first result of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you is not seen in what you do. It's seen in who you become. And here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Your character is more important than your accomplishments. Who you are is far more important than what you do. Being a witness comes first. Being a witness is the inner transformation into the image of God. Being a witness talks about who you are, what you be, and what you become. And once that has occurred, then you go out to tell others. In other words, God is more interested in purity than in performance. This is the problem we're making in the church today, even amongst leadership. Our prophets, our apostles, our teachers, our pastors are all given over to performance. They're more interested in the external actions than the internal purity. But I say unto you today, don't give me a prophecy when I know you visit prostitutes. Don't talk about your gift when I know you're a gossip. Don't tell me about your ministry when I know you manipulate people. I don't want to hear your revelation from God when I know you have riches from Satan because who you are is more important than what you do. And it's not important how big a church you have or how active you have or how many ministries or how many miracles you have. Don't tell me about all the things you do when inside of you you're not at all like Jesus Christ. And the church has become following our leaders in the same way. We have members today who focus on their activities. I pray, I give, I attend church, I'm an usher, I'm a deacon, I'm a car park attendant, but they neglect the inner character of being a witness. It's important to pray, it's important to give, it's important to serve in the church, but those things have to come out of a pure heart. Don't get me wrong, if you're born again, we will see you active in the church. It will be evident in your conduct, but we've got to focus on the fact that first, he transforms us to be a witness. It's more important how you behave in the car park than it is what service you give in the sanctuary. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. That's why Jesus himself said this in Matthew 7. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And Jesus is very plain. There is a day coming when everything will be exposed. Those with huge ministries and those with outward visible evidence of service and conduct will be exposed for the inward impurity and the inward corruption that was there. These men claimed Jesus as their Lord, but they denied him because their hearts were not pure. They focused on miracles and prophecies and signs and wonders. They had success in those areas. They cast out the devil, but the devil was not cast out of them. They prophesied, but they didn't pray. They were outwardly active, but inwardly disobedient. They did miracles, and they were surprised when Jesus cast them out. No one uncovered their sin on this earth, but Jesus said, You've got to obey me more than anything. First of all, I send my power to come down and fill you so that you can be my witnesses. And Christ tells them plainly as he tells all of us, you're wrong. We have to have Christ within us making us pure. It doesn't matter how well you serve. It doesn't matter how active you are. It matters whether you are obeying Christ in your heart. That's why 1 John 2 says we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. It is impossible. It is impossible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live an unholy life. I don't care about your prophecy. I don't care about your miracles. You are not filled with the Holy Spirit when you live an unholy life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit has a name. And his first name is? His first name is? His first name is? That's why Romans 1.14 says, 1.4 says the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of of holiness and when you get filled with the spirit of god when you get filled with the holy spirit a spirit of holiness takes over Pentecost enables us to live above the fleshly lust. Pentecost enables us to change no matter where you're stuck or how long you've been there Pentecost frees us from the habits and the attitudes and the character that takes us away from Christ. Many years ago, they wanted to build a new bridge over the East River in New York City. So they planned it out very well. They got all the engineers in place and they decided they needed to put big pillars down in the riverbed to hold up the span of the bridge. So they sent divers down and they located the exact spot right in the riverbed where they would plant these large pillars. But they found to their surprise when they went to the very spot where the main pillars were to go, a ship that had sunk many years ago was stuck in the riverbed. And over the decades of the ship being there, it had gone deeper and deeper and deeper into the mud. When they tried to dig up the mud to put a pillar, they discovered the hulk of this shipwreck. Well, great equipment was brought in and big machinery was brought in. They tried everything they could to remove the sunken ship and get it out of the way so they could plant the pillars. But all their efforts proved futile. They hooked up cables to the sunken ship and they put the other cables to the barge up above and they turned on the engines and tried to move the barge but the engines stalled no matter how hard they tried all their efforts were futile 
Then one engineer said, wait, let's try something else. Let's allow the rising tide of the ocean to do the work for us. And so at low tide, when the water of the river had gone down, they hooked up the cables to the sunken vessel. They put the other end of the cable on the barge, and they waited for the tide to rise. And as the ocean tide came in, the water level began to rise, and the power of the rising tide lifted that sunken vessel out of the mud and freed it from its bondage so they could carry it away and build their bridge. And just like that rising tide, that represents the power of the Holy Spirit. All your own efforts, all your own machinations, all your own tries cannot get you free from the bondage of sin. You can't change your own life. You can't make yourself a better person. But when you get the filled of the Holy Spirit, when you get connected and tied to the Holy Spirit, when you anchor in him, his rising tide of power pulls you up and he delivers you and frees you. He sets you free from every bondage. He takes you out of the mud and the mire and gives you a new life. That's why Galatians 5 says, I tell you, live by following the Spirit. You will not do what your sinful selves want. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves. They've given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do. We get our new life from the Spirit, so we should follow the Spirit. And I'm here to declare to you today, the promise of God is the Spirit of God, is the power of God to change you and transform you and lift you and make you a witness for him. The power of God can come upon you and break every chain and break every shackle and deliver you from everything that hell holds you back. You're called to be God's witness. Somebody shout power. When you follow the Spirit, you get the Spirit's power changing you. And that brings us to our third call today. You are called to go reach people. Acts 1.8 ends by saying this, Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here's what God is laying out for us. First, he says, I've got a promise of power. You're called to possess that power. And when that power comes in you of the Holy Ghost, it will change you and make you new. It will set you free and liberate you. And when that power has transformed you, you're going to go and tell. Because when you know what Jesus has done for you, when you get experience in him, you will go and tell other people. When you know how he saved you and how he's delivered you, it's going to send you out to tell others, look what my Jesus has done for me. Everybody who followed Jesus becomes a witness and goes and proclaims it. That's why the very first people that Jesus called were called to follow him and to touch other lives. In Matthew 4:19, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And the promise of God and the purpose of God has not changed when he he calls you to follow him. He calls you to go and tell. He calls you to go and proclaim. He calls you to go out and he says, it will happen. You will fish for men. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. If the gospel stops with you, you've got the wrong gospel. Jesus makes it clear to us. Follow me. For it's not what you know, but who you know. You don't need to know theology. You don't need to have all the arguments. You need to follow Jesus. It's how you live your life that matters. When you get him inside of you and experience him, you will go and tell. This is the pattern of God working with men all through history. This is what happened to prophet Isaiah. Listen to his experience in Isaiah 6, 7 to 8. God said to him, your guilt is removed. Isaiah came to the altar with guilt. He confessed it. 
and cried out to God, and God said, your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Isaiah got transformed. Isaiah got forgiven. Isaiah got born again. Isaiah got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then God said, go and tell. This is what happened in the New Testament in John 1. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. The same thing happened with Philip. Next day Jesus found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And everybody who met Jesus. Everybody who followed Jesus went and told someone and brought someone. And that's God's call upon you today to receive his power, to be transformed, and to go and tell. For when you experience him, when you experience Christ in your own life, you can bring others and draw them to him. See, I've got a story to tell. I was blind, but now I see. I was in darkness, but now I walk in light. I was dead, but Jesus brought me life. I was burdened with sin, but Jesus washed me clean. That's why I call him my savior. I was down and out, but Jesus lifted me. I was carrying a heavy load, but Jesus removed it from me. I was walking in darkness, but Jesus illuminated my path. I had no peace and I was lonely, but Jesus came to be with me. That's why I call him Emmanuel. He took the shackles off my feet. He took the sin out of my heart. He took the burden off my back. He did so many wonderful things for me. He's my savior, my redeemer, my rescuer, my healer, my liberator. That's why I call him my Lord and savior. And I can come and proclaim to you, come and see, come and see what Jesus did for me. He turned my life around. He gave me miracle power. He brought me hope and purpose and life. That's why I love him so much. Come and see what Jesus has done. And I can sing his song and I can sing his praise and I can proclaim him everywhere because I know know what Jesus has done for me. Come and see what Jesus has done. That's the power of a personal experience, the power to witness. It's a power that can't be denied. And if Christ has touched you, he's called you to reach other people. He didn't just save you so you become a nice person. He didn't just want to clean you up so that you could put on nice clothes and wear cologne and look good to others. He came to use you, to bless you, and to send you out as a witness to others. He gave you power for a purpose. And today, every one of us can reach people. There are people you can reach, I can't reach. There are people you can touch, I can't touch. We all know someone that no one else in this room might know, but God can use us with a simple testimony. When we possess his power and are transformed by that power, we can tell people, this is what Christ did for me. Today, with social media, you can preach the gospel around the world right from East Legon. You can share the church's broadcast. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. You can follow me and share my messages, my sermons to everyone around. And as you do that, you will be going into all the world to tell other people. That's what God has called you to do. Possess his power. Be his witness. And go and tell. Some years ago, a woman was walking home from church. She'd been attending prayer meeting, and as she walked along the road, she met a young girl, young beggar. The girl was poor, so thin 
Her clothes were tattered and dirty. Her face was covered with soil. She held a baking bowl. She held the bowl out for the Christian woman as she passed. The woman felt sorry for this child, so she reached into her purse and put a few coins in the begging bowl. But as she turned to go, she felt guilty. Here I am going to my nice house with my full wardrobe and my full pantry, and this poor girl is here on the street. And as she began to think about it, she thought, why is this happening? Why in 2021 are there beggar children on the streets? Why? And she began to argue with God and complain to God, God, why? Why have you allowed this? Why do you allow beggars? Why do you allow hunger and poverty and all these terrible things? God, why don't you do something? Why don't you make a difference? God, why don't you do something about this girl? And the Holy Spirit said, I did. I sent you. I sent you. And if you'll open your ears and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, that's what he says to us today. For every child who's hungry, for every sick person alone in a hospital, for every orphan, for everyone lost, for everyone who has no witness, he sends you. For you shall receive power. You shall when the Holy Ghost comes on you. And you will be transformed. You'll become a witness by your lifestyle. But you won't stop there. You will go and tell everybody everywhere. Because he's given you power for a purpose. The hope of God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here, we're here, we're here.